Welcome to the Relax, It's Retirement podcast with Josh Leonard from Leonard Advisory Group. In this podcast, we help those nearing retirement greet it with a well-prepared smile. Join Josh and his guests to learn the retirement and tax planning tips you need so you too can live your golden years with the happiness and excitement you deserve. Hear stories from his years of experience to help you transition into a fun and intentional retirement. Now, onto the show. Welcome to the Relax, It's Retirement podcast with your host, Josh Leonard, where we talk about transitioning into retirement with intent. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hello there, Josh. How are you? Good. How are you today, Wendy? I'm a little under the weather, but you know, I, it's always an uplift to speak to you, Josh. Oh, oh, I like that, Wendy. Well, <laughs> we'll try to uh, get you in good health here uh, by talking about financial topics that I know invigorate you so thoroughly. I cannot wait. But we had a big, huge event recently that we want to talk about, right? Yeah, yeah. So one of the annual events that we do in our Pittsburgh office is our annual Shred Day event. So, you know, being in the financial services industry, we love paperwork. We help generate all that paperwork that you don't know what to do with. So uh, as we mentioned in the last podcast, we went through a list of some items that are good to shred, like your tax returns. Don't keep them for 50 years. Seven years is sufficient. So after that, what do you do with it? If you throw it in the trash, Someone could be pulling that information out and that could lead to fraud or, you know, hopefully not, but maybe emptying your bank account or some right. negative consequence like that. So at Shred Day, we uh, bring in one of those big shredded trucks and we cook some hot dogs, have, you know, donuts, coffee, water, and just kind of hang out in the parking lot of our office. It's a party in the parking lot. It's a party in the parking lot, um, and it's a nice nice opportunity for us to kind of chat with some of our clients or other members of the community, uh, but this year was the first year that we got rain, Oh, and it rained the whole time, Wendy. Yeah. It wasn't just like that little sprinkle. It, it, was, it, was, a, it was a heavy soaking of spring rain. Nice um, soaking rain. We still had a good turnout, and this year... Uh, we asked for a donation of $5 to the Red Door in Pittsburgh. Um, the Red Door is a charity associated with the Divine Mercy Parish. They started during the Great Depression era. Uh, and what they do is they feed meals and supply clothing and hygiene items to those in need in the Pittsburgh area. So Great good cause. And uh, we were able to raise about $1,000 for them uh, at this event. So That's awesome. I, that was exciting. We didn't really know. This was the first time that we asked for a donation. So didn't know how that would be received. But uh, people were quite gracious and, and willing to help. So. so that's good news. So uh, is this one of those events where, you know, you don't even have to get out of the car. You can just like people will take the the stuff we do encourage people to get out of the car, but you uh, want them to have a hot dog clients or people maybe that that aren't quite as able. They'll they'll pop the trunk and I'll grab gotcha. you know, what they want out of the trunk and kind of facilitate it. Um, but we do try to make it very convenient for people and then encourage everyone to stop up at the tent we have set up to, uh, you know, grab a cup of coffee and eat a donut or have a hot dog and chat with us for a little bit. And again, this shredding event is a good way to dispose of your uh, very uh, personal documents to avoid any kind of identity theft, which can be a big problem. Yeah. I mean, identity theft and fraud is something that we see 
targeting seniors more and more. So folks in retirement uh, are subject to, you know, potential fraud or or having someone try to steal their identity, which certainly is not a good thing, especially if you don't have another paycheck coming in. If someone wipes you out, you're going to be in bad shape. Oh, yeah. So we're going to go from identity theft to banking issue. Yeah. So we'll talk about, uh, you know, maybe some ways to protect yourself in the event of a bank collapse and discuss Silicon Valley Bank and kind of what happened there a little bit more. Yeah, that was uh, very big in the news for a while. So uh, what did happen there, Josh? Yeah. So, you know, on March 8th, they announced that they needed to raise $1.75 billion. So, you know, as a small business owner, we we have not been in the, the position that we ever needed to raise $1.75 billion. But I'm sure for the bank, uh, that was a scary thing. Well, what happened there was that classic scene from It's a Wonderful Life, where everyone, you know, maybe not in the exact same fashion, but people were rushing into the bank and there was a run on the bank. They were trying to take their deposits out because they were afraid of the stability of the bank. But there uh, wasn't somebody there with $1.75 to give the people like in It's a Wonderful Life. That's right. That's right. And, you know, um, I think even if Scrooge popped in, he probably wasn't able to supply that money instantly. No. But. You know, one of the things that that happened to Silicon Valley Bank is they were very concentrated in one industry. So much as the name would ensue, that Silicon Valley Bank, well, it was a lot of tech companies. A lot of those companies have flourished over the last decade or really even close to 20 years at this point with low interest rates. They were able to borrow money, maybe be unprofitable for a longer period of time than than a lot of companies can be, and they were able to grow quite quickly. Well, now as interest rates have gone higher, Silicon Valley Bank had a lot of low interest debt on their books with higher interest rates. So they kind of got pinched there. And by having such a high concentration in one industry, as that industry was hurt, they were hurt as well. Okay. So a couple things there that we would say is, you know, that lack of diversification helped lead to the bank failure, which is something we always talk about in retirement planning and investing, right? right? You need to be diversified. It helps reduce risk. Well, here's sort of a another situation of how that worked out negatively for a company. Right. Um, and, and I think their interest rate risk maybe could have been better managed as well. So those are kind of two takeaways that we'll see. I think one question that we've gotten from a few folks, though, is, you know, what, what's the difference between investing and depositing into a bank? Okay. And this can lead to some confusion because when the bank collapsed, if you are a shareholder, if you had bought the stock of the company, well, the company is not doing well. So you're not doing well. Right. If you're depositing money in the bank, we all see that little FDIC symbol on, on maybe the door of the bank or on the bank promotional material. That FDIC insurance helps guarantee your deposits up to certain limits. So it's $250,000 per depositor, per ownership category. So if me and my wife each had an account at a bank, we could have potentially $500,000 that are protected under that FDIC insurance. So for most folks, uh, you know, that's not really an issue. So that that level of deposit keeps you safe even in the event of a bank collapse. So I have a question. If you do happen to have more than that, should you use several banks then? 
to yeah that is that. the prudent thing to do is start diversifying banks there mm -hmm. as well so you would want to only take it up to the limit now what happened in silicon valley bank is they actually said we're gonna we're gonna cover these deposits wholly so they covered above the limits but they're not required to do so so let's say one of the fears that we've heard as well is my bank safe right right so you want to make sure that you're not exceeding that limit with that worry, right? That is the guarantee. We know at 250000 the FDIC insurance will cover you. So the prudent thing to do would be not have any more than 250000 in one individual bank per ownership category. Gotcha. Okay. So what else should we be um, thinking about when it comes to the difference between deposit and investment? Yeah, so an investment, you're owning, you're part of the ownership of the company. So that can give you a higher reward, right? If you're just depositing money at the bank uh, into a regular checking account, you're probably not earning much interest. Um, in today's environment, you're not keeping up with inflation. Uh, by investing in a bank, you can potentially keep up with inflation. You can help grow your wealth. But this is an investment not something that you want to use for your regular transactions. So a deposit in the bank, well, if you go to the grocery store on the weekend, you're going to use the money from the bank account, not from an investment. The investment is going to go up and down in the short term in value, whereas the deposit is you know, going to be based on the U.S. dollar, so the stability of the U.S. dollar and any interest that you might get there. Okay. So an investment is more of a long-term vision and higher risk where the deposit will be for your cash needs and have that FDIC guarantee. Right. So the investment you put in, don't really touch for a while. You, you watch That's right. what happens. Be patient. The deposit you're, uh, you're paying your bills with. That is the way we're going to differentiate the two, correct? Yep. That's the easiest way to think about it. Okay. So how do I know if um, my bank is at potential for something like this happening? Yeah, so I think in light of the Silicon Valley Bank, we would look for diversification. So is your bank specialized in one industry? And maybe if you're a business owner, maybe there's a benefit to that. But for most folks in retirement, they just want to make sure that the money's there and safe. So look for a diversified bank. Now, most of the banks that we'll use, uh, most of your local banks are probably investing in mortgages and different small businesses in their area. So they naturally are a little bit more diversified than Silicon Valley Bank. How do we know to, how do we find out if they're diverse? Yeah, so you can do some research online. Um, you know, you can look at the investments of the bank. So you can look from the investment standpoint, you can look at research articles, put out uh, Morningstar is a great resource for looking at uh, research about individual stocks. So you can do additional research there, or simply go talk to your bank. Go talk to your bank about how they operate and what they do with your money when you deposit it. Because one of the things that many folks don't understand is when you put a dollar in the bank, it's not like it goes in that big safe and it just sits there until you call them or go back in to grab that dollar, right? They're lending it back out. That's how banks make money. They make money on the difference. They'll pay you a little bit of interest, Wendy goes in and buys a CD, they might give her 2%, and Josh walks in right after and says, well, I want a mortgage, they might charge me 5%. Right. And then they make money off of the spread or the difference between those two. And going back to It's a Wonderful Life, you're thinking about this all wrong. 
Your money's not here. It's in his house and his house and his house. That's exactly it. And South Park did a little bit on that, too, um, that now has kind of run through the Internet lately um, with a with a spoof on that where some of the characters start punching each other. Why'd you put my money in your house? Oh, this, no. That yeah, um, that sounds like South Park. Yes. But, um, you know, th that's exactly it. The bank is is helping facilitate the economy by that transfer of money, but there is risk there. So you want to be careful. Your bank, you want to make sure it's diversified. And like we talked about before, Wendy, watch that FDIC limit. The FDIC limit is there to help provide stability in the system overall. What we don't want is that classic bank run, like during the Great Depression, where you just keep getting hit and then people are fearful and it collapses the whole system. Now, when Silicon Valley Bank collapsed, that's it. Everyone's a little bit more concerned, right? Because we don't think about that on a normal basis. You put your money in the bank and it's there. It's money in the bank. It's Supposed safe. To stay there. Yes. The FDIC is that protection. So make sure that you're abiding by those limits. So I would say in keeping your bank safe, you know, watch those limits. You can also keep some money at a couple different banks. So sometimes with retirees, uh, if they're looking at maybe purchasing a second home or a new car in the next few years, they might have a little bit more money in cash than just an emergency fund and their normal savings. So maybe we look at a higher yield savings account for a portion of that money and have a separate account from your local bank at a high yield savings. That way you're diversifying between two banks as well. If there was a run on one bank and and the bank collapsed, and we were waiting for that FDIC insurance, we'd still have another bank that we'd be able to access some money in the meantime. Is it typical for people to have more than one bank? Uh, we see it. It's quite common now. Uh, sometimes folks have too many banks, which can be a separate issue. Yeah. Uh, but sometimes they'll have an account that they pay their taxes out of, and that might be a local credit union. And they just did that because they've always done it that way. And maybe they got their mortgage from that credit union when they first bought the house. But then they wanted more online banking capabilities. So maybe they set up an account with a larger, uh, more national bank. Um, so we quite often see folks that have a couple different accounts. Okay. So what can we do to protect ourselves, Josh? What are we going to do? I well, want my money safe. Keep it safe. I'm going to say FDIC, FDIC, FDIC. So watch those limits and stay under those limits. Um, we can diversify banks. So using those uh, multiple bank accounts, like we talked about, to to spread out your risk a little bit further. So I'm not saying have 30 different bank accounts, Wendy, but if you have one or two or three bank accounts, if something happens to one, you could access the second or third bank account. Um, that way you have some protection. I know for us, we have our local credit union gave us a great discount on our mortgage rate. So we keep some money there and auto pay off of that bank account. When we lived in Pittsburgh, we had a mutually held bank account that we still continue to use to pay a lot of our bills. And then uh, through uh, our business, we have relationships at another bank. So having a couple different banks enables you some flexibility there. And sometimes having that relationship too, you can see the unique advantages of each bank. We talked about higher yield savings. Maybe using an online bank for that higher yield savings would be helpful for you. And that's a reason to diversify to that bank 
rather than just your local bank that you've always used. Can you tell me a little bit more about the higher yield savings? Yeah. So uh, this is something that we've been talking about a lot over the last years. Interest rates went up. Quite a few savings accounts are paying great rates of return now. Uh, one that many of our clients use is Citizens Access. And it's not sponsored or endorsed by Citizens, but that's Citizens Online Bank. So we all know Citizens, quite a large financial uh, banking institution. They have an online version that is paying 4.25% currently in their savings account. So if you have that emergency fund or money that you're not going to be using for the grocery store on Saturday, that's a great place to kind of park that money and earn some more interest. So uh, those types of accounts, and there's other ones out there. Um, Marcus by Goldman Sachs has had pretty competitive rates as well. Um, I think SoFi has a has a pretty competitive rate as well. If you search online for high yield savings accounts, you can find a few different options there and kind of search them out, see which one is best for you. Okay, sounds good. So uh, as we wrap this up, my bank is guaranteed to not fail, right? Guaranteed to not <laughs> fail. No, they're guaranteed <laughs> up to $250,000 to give you your money back by the FDIC insurance. Um, you know, so I, I think that's it. I think Silicon Valley Bank has created a lot of worry in the system. And when there's worry in the financial system, that can cause panic. So that can cause um, issues throughout the system. So we see stocks fall initially as people are losing faith. Any of that worry in the headlines is going to cause disruption in the short term. Right. Now, most likely, Wendy, whatever your local bank is or wherever your paychecks are going into, nothing has really changed at that bank. One of the things that we'll see in the wake of any major collapse is, well, our politicians get involved and we get some new regulations in the door. Yeah. So banks undergo stress tests and various testing by the federal government to try to avoid these type of issues. So now they'll reassess that risk and say, oh, do we need to do something different there? Um, so most likely we'll see more regulation coming down the pike here. Um and then as the worries go away, regulation will ease, something will happen, and regulation goes back up. That's sort of the ebb and flow. So, um, yeah. They'll do a deeper investigation, so we might figure out some more um, maybe uh, oversight in the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank than we're knowing at this point. But most likely, it'll just be more regulation to help avoid these uh, type of issues in the future. Well, and I guess that's the best that we can do, right? Yep. But it will occur again. It always will occur again. And if you Google search, you can find that there's smaller banks that collapse a lot. And that was one of the fears that came into play is, oh, OK, I need to move all my money to to a larger banking institution. So there was a lot of people doing that initially in the collapse um, of Silicon Valley Bank. I don't know that that's necessary. Uh, maybe you want to take a deeper look at how your bank is investing the money and uh, assess if you need to make a move there. But it's not necessarily size that avoids all issues. Silicon Valley Bank was quite a large bank. I think it was the 17th largest bank um, oh. right before it collapsed. So Okay. So, and all of this um, publicity makes people do things that they normally wouldn't, which makes the situation, in essence, worse, right? Right, right. It's that panic. It's that panic. So, you know, going back to the root cause, 
If they wouldn't have said, hey, uh, we need uh, to raise $1.75 billion, there probably wouldn't have been the run on the bank initially. So if only someone that? just had a couple billion sitting in their pocket and could have just tossed it their way, we wouldn't even be talking about this one. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, is this something that they're required to announce then? Uh, I am not fully up on all of the bank okay. regulations, but uh, they are a publicly traded company, so they do have to disclose their financial positions. Okay. Um, so most of that is publicly available. Gotcha. Uh, so I would have to assume that there is some regulation that made them come out. Um, but I think most likely in an investigation, they'll say, oh, there was warning signs ahead of time that they should have announced. And regulation might target that. Hey, how can we detect this a little bit earlier? Gotcha. Okay. Well, Josh, if we have any questions um, about any of this stuff, how do we get in touch with you? Yeah. So uh, you can feel free to email me at Leonard at leonardadvisorygroup.com. Check out our website at leonardadvisorygroup.com. On there, you can schedule a 15-minute call with me. Um, if you have concerns about your bank or just want to talk about the stability of the system a little bit and have some more comfort there, I'd be happy to speak with you. Uh, you can also uh, give our office a call. The phone number is 412-998-PLAN. And thank you for joining us today on the Relax, It's Retirement podcast. Please like, follow, and share with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Relax, It's Retirement podcast, the show that helps you transition into a happy, fun, and intentional retirement. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.leonardadvisorygroup.com or give us a call at 412-998-PLAN. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Leonard Advisory Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service professionals with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.